Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. California's largest agricultural water district is changing its approach in the face of climate change and shifting political winds. Westland's water district, which is politically powerful and was known for its ties to the Trump administration, is now moving toward conserving water and investing in solar panels. That's a shift in tone from attempts to fight for every last drop of water, and it's prompting an internal power struggle within the district that could determine how water fights unfold across the state. So today, Politico's Rye Rivard on how California's biggest water district is having a climate reckoning. It's Wednesday, August 23rd. So this is the Westlands Water District in California's Central Valley. It's been sort of famous for its ties to David Bernhardt, the former Secretary of Interior, who used to lobby for the district. And so we decided to sort of check in and see what's going on well into the Biden administration. And you're noting that this district is now moving towards solar panels and conserving water, which sounds more like a Biden-esque policy choice rather than a Trump one. So what are they planning on doing and how did a leadership change spark this transformation? So the district is sort of famous for being aggressive on trying to acquire more water. One of its main sources of water is the Central Valley Project, which is a federal project that brings water from rivers in a northern part of California to the Central Valley and then to farms there. And one of the things that Bernhardt was you know, fighting for, one of the things the district and its longtime general manager, Tom Birmingham, who was known as the Darth Vader of California water, had long fought for, was trying to get more water to the district. And there are different ways of doing that over time, more infrastructure projects. There was a twin tunnel project. There's talk of raising Shasta Dam. And it, the tone has been changing. Now the district is talking a lot about a series of projects that would cover a sixth of its 600,000 or so acres in solar panels. And we thought that was really interesting and a totally different approach. And and this is really driven by the new general manager, is that right? I think the district has been going through some things politically for people on and off the board over the years. Birmingham, the former general manager, when he was there, had done some sort of early looks at solar. But they're certainly talking about solar a lot more now and in a bigger way than they had in the past. You know, they see some real advantages to solar, but the sort of root thing that interests them in solar is that you cover an acre of farmland that's an acre of farmland that doesn't need water and doesn't need more water. And in the future, when there's less water, as sort of is being predicted hydrologically across parts of the West, that's an advantage because you can make money from a solar farm just as you can from traditional farming, but you don't need the water to do traditional farming. And so it sort of positions the district over the long term to become a sort of a different kind of creature, a a series of farms that are more interested in reducing water use rather than trying to hold on to water that used to be there but now isn't. Interesting. But you're reporting this strategy is prompting an internal power struggle within the water board. So what's happening there and where are lines being drawn? So these are farmers. And so one of the really revealing comment from one of the longest serving board members said, you're basically turned into a solar board. Is that what we are? I thought we were a farming board. 
And so you can tell that there is not just a struggle over the sort of future of the district, whether there's going to be more solar and whether they should think about using less water instead of fighting for more water. But there's also a sort of grappling with a societal change that is feeding into a political change, which is, you know, these are people who have or know people who have been farming the Central Valley for generations. And now if they're not going to be farmers, you know, what is their identity? And so I think that's part of a kind of conflict that's being fought there politically, but, you know, also sort of ideologically. And then some environmentalists, though, say the changes of the district seem largely rhetorical and aren't actually anything of substance. So why are they skeptical? Yeah, I think there are a number of reasons that they might be skeptical. One is the legacy of Tom Birmingham, the former general manager, is sort of still lingering around the place. The new general manager, Allison Febu, wrote a op-ed in the Fresno Bee. Two days later, there was an op-ed in the Sacramento Bee from Tom Birmingham, and they were sort of saying different things. The new general manager was talking about changing, and Birmingham, the old general manager, was talking about a project that's extremely controversial, which is enlarging the Shasta Dam, which would allow more water to be stored behind it, and then presumably allow more water for Westlands to get in some years. The other thing is, if you look at the board's agenda, they go into closed session, and there's over a dozen different proceedings they're involved in. Many of them are pretty bitter legal fights over various strategies to preserve their water rights or enhance their water rights or fight off actions that would have them complying with environmental laws that could reduce the amount of water they get. And then the third thing is, you know, I talked to a guy from a group that sort of fights for Habitat for Salmon. And he said, you know, I wonder if they're just putting lipstick on a pig. He said, you know, it would be great if Westland's changed, but have they really? And is this more of a vibe thing than it is a real thing? And I think three months into the tenure of the new general manager, it's too soon to tell, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Also, on Tuesday, the Interior Department finalized a rule updating offshore oil drilling safety requirements and reinstating measures the Trump administration had rolled back. The rules include measures for drilling, workover, completion, and decommissioning operations on rigs producing oil and natural gas in federal waters. Some of those measures were originally put in place to avert disasters, like the Deepwater Horizon spill in the Gulf of Mexico, which killed 11 workers and caused the worst maritime oil spill in history. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch, and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is working to responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.